I went into this with a very open question saying, how would you describe this stage of your life? And then just shut up and let the tape recorder run. And people took it wherever they wanted to take it. But I was surprised how many of those had kind of a spiritual approach, not necessarily what I would call religious, but something where they came to terms with themselves and their inward experience. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. Thank you so very much for supporting the show. Your feedback is absolutely making a difference because making a difference is what we're all about here on the show. And talking about making a difference, I'm on the line with the wonderful Richard Hayduck. How are you, Richard? Doing very well, Rick. How about you? I'm fantastically well. Thank you very much. Now, Richard, you and I are going to be talking about retirement. We're going to be talking about your work as an author. Um, But um, before we do that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself, your pastime, and how it was that you came to write this wonderful book called Shifting Gears. Well, I've spent most of my working life in the life sciences business, Um, Some of that was actually based in New Zealand. Some of it was actually with clients who were in Australia. So I got to know your part of the world pretty well. (laughs) Um, I was mentoring CEOs of biotech companies, uh, startup companies, helping them along. Had a great time doing that. Um, So when it came time to retire, I thought, well, that's a skill that um, I've enjoyed and I think I've gotten, gotten pretty good at. And so I've started mentoring social entrepreneurs who are trying to do various poverty eradication or climate change, those kinds of things. So that's that's taken up a big chunk of my retirement. Fantastic. And you asked about the book. I um, It's kind of a, a, a two elements to the story here. When I was seven, I wanted to be an author and I was convinced of it. And people would say, oh, don't you want to be a test pilot? No, I don't want to be a test pilot. I said, no, I don't want to be any of those things. I want to be an author. Um, and so I started writing and I was writing uh, every day. I'd write another story. They'd always be a page or less. They would always be science fiction or some sort of fantasy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was loving it. Um, and then, you know what happens to seven year olds? they changed their mind. <laughs> Easily <laughs> distracted. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, basketball would be, be more fun than this, or <laughs> you know, doing something like that would be more fun. So it just stopped almost the way it started. Just There was a moment where I was an author and a moment when I wasn't anymore. Um, then 65 years later, just around the I corner. came back to this idea. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and I hadn't done anything in terms of writing during that time. Mm-hmm. But Rick, what triggered it was kind of interesting. I was retired. I was doing a lot of interesting things. But I saw my peer group doing amazing stuff. And they were saying, here's something I'm going to do with my retirement that's completely different from what I've done in my working career. Uh, I'm going to go climb a mountain, or I'm going to be in the Senior Olympics, or I'm going to do something that's a complete reversal for me. And I thought, well, that's an interesting story. Yeah. And then a week later, I'd hear another one. And a week later, I'd hear another one. And then there was like this eureka moment where I said, 
you know, there's a book there. Absolutely. And I've, I've always wanted to be an author. I think I could do this. <laughs> um, so off, off I went uh, down the down the path. Uh, and I had two conditions for myself. It's a retirement project. So one, it had to keep being fun. Mm -hmm. The moment it stopped being fun, I said, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Yep. And the second one is it had to feel like a, like a real book. It had to feel like it was covering ground that others had not covered. So through this process, it's maintained those two criteria. And now we're at the point where the book is being published here uh, this fall. Yes, I can see that. I, I'd love to, if we could, Richard, if we could focus on, um, I guess, the the life cycle that we go through from growing up. We, we talked about uh, being children, then then we, 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 we grow up and we become adults, and then we focus on professional careers, and then we get to this point in life where things obviously change quite a bit. Um, do you think from the stories, which I love to delve into also, do you think from the stories that you've heard that we oftentimes try to capture those missing moments that we wish we'd done when we were younger? What are some of the things you're hearing? I think it's a great question, but my answer will be, um, it's all over the map. Right. You know, I interviewed 75 people, I guess 75 different ways they dealt with it. <laughs> um, some people had a very clear plan of what they wanted to do. Yeah. And they stopped work one day and they started on this other thing, whatever that was, the next day. The more typical thing was people would go through kind of a tra transition. They, they'd relax a little bit, maybe be a bit of a couch potato, maybe just <laughs> not do much of anything, um, and then kind of say, yeah, but now i got to get on and do something else. And they would discover what that next activity was. I'd say that's probably the most, most frequent kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you... I would say there was, there was one model that I that I thought had the most consistent success, and th that's what I would call kind of a wind down of working and a wind up of retirement. And not everybody can do this, but for those who can, who have an employer who is understanding in a financial circumstance where they can can take a bit of a reduction in their pay. Yeah. Each year they do a little bit less work, and each year they do a little bit more retiring. And so there is no transition. It's just all gradually easing into it. Um, and, and that I, several of the people that I interviewed followed a path like that, and it really worked for them. Seeing that we have, uh, Richard, a finite amount of time on this wonderful planet, um, do you find that uh, anybody's provided feedback about the urgency growing as the time ticks by to do more? Rick, that's a that's a, a great question in the context of COVID. Right. Um, so the people I interviewed all had these wonderful plans. They were going to do this and they were going to do that. And then along came COVID and they mm. said, oops, I got to stop. I can't do that. I can't go on a cruise ship. I can't be out with my friends and family. I've got to I've got to manage my medical risk. But then over time, some of them started to say, wait a minute, that clock is ticking. I've got so many things I've got to do. I've got to find out a way to have an active, fun, joyful retirement, even while not putting myself at risk. Um, so one of the guys uh, who had this very ambitious set of travel plans, and he said, I, I just can't do that anymore. He's now studying his family's genealogy. Oh, wow. He said, I feel so gratified by that. It's even better than what I was going to do. 
uh, but he got kind of forced into it by the restrictions and and the belief that that clock is ticking. I, I believe you know from what I'm hearing, I, I think you're working with a lot of positive individuals. Do you do you ever stumble across those who are, are fearful about moving into retirement and what what they don't know? Yes, yes. So the book, what I tried to do was get a balance of people. Um, it self-selected a little bit towards optimists because yeah. the people who were really down didn't want to talk to me. Um, <laughs> you know, one guy in particular um, had this great retirement plan. He and his wife moved up to a great place, picked their retirement home, and then it burned to the ground in one of these fires oh. and lost it completely. Um, and so he went through a really rough patch. Um, and, and that rough patch for both he and his wife, you know, of just coming to terms with having to start all over again at a time when they felt like they, they didn't deserve that. They'd worked hard all their lives to have this retirement lifestyle. And then all of a sudden it vanished. Um, um, I've got a couple of stories of people who went through some sort of a, a personal situation, uh, one divorce that was um, a person after, after 24 years uh, had this surprising divorce and um, strangely enough, at about the same time, he was losing his vision. Mm. Um, so this guy, he was down and he was out. And he, he discovered kind of a spiritual approach to, to solving that. Um, he discovered something called Trillium, which I'd never heard of, no. but it worked for him. And, and it was a, a kind of a new faith in himself and his spirituality. Um, I'm rambling on here a little no, bit. No, absolutely not. One of, the, one of the surprises to me was I went into this with a very open question saying, how would you describe this stage of your life? And then just shut up and let the tape recorder run. Yeah. Um, and people took it wherever they wanted to take it. Um, but I was surprised how many of those had kind of a spiritual approach, not necessarily what I would call religious, but something where they came to terms with themselves and their inward experience at pace um, as it were that i'm sorry at pace as it were at peace as it were yes yes i i'd love to i've been looking through obviously all of your bio your website and i noticed that you are a keen cyclist do you find yes. that um you know are you still very active i'd love to learn a little bit about i guess your daily routine do you still enjoy being active so with the, with the fires here in Northern California, mm. the, the last month um, was not suitable for biking. Of course, we've had we've had extraordinary amount of uh, pollution in the air, and so I've kind of shut down. But um, prior to that, um, I average about three thousand miles a year, and I I bike maybe three days a week and try to do it on some fairly tough tough hills and that sort of thing. Yes, um, it was a commitment to myself that. I want to be more fit in retirement than I was when I was working. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I thought there's no excuse for not doing that. If, if that's important to you, I think you the body, time. the body needs to be used, doesn't it? To stay, to stay fit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's plenty of opportunities to do that. Um, except the last month <laughs> and it's, and it's Rick, it's making me crazy. I can imagine. <laughs> I get up in the morning, I say, oh, I'd love to go for a bike ride today. And then I look no. outside and it's filled with smoke. And I just say, you know, yes. I wreck my lungs. By it's an awful time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to um, your local area um, turning the corner and things becoming better very soon. Um, I'd love to talk but, about. 
Go ahead. In part, you know, the title Shifting Gears was partly a reflection of the biking thing. I figured as much. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, I I love to talk about mindset and I love to talk about goal setting on the show because I think it's useful for everybody who listens to the show. Um, What are you hearing about, you know, creating bucket lists and what are some of the things that you're you're hearing? Because I've I've read your website and I'm, I'm hearing that people in their 80s starting to do things like smoking some crazy stuff out there (laughs) yeah but there was only one of those he was 87 and he said you know i've always wanted to smoke i'm going to start now yeah why not Um, (laughs) if that doesn't kill you something else will (laughs) yeah yeah um there was another lady who uh is in an independent living center down in memphis Mm -hmm. she's 102 years old and she's just a a a piece of work she's just lively and energetic (laughs) She does a lot of things uh, in the in the uh, uh, independent living center, um, but she's just vivacious and energetic, and it, it sounds like she's really kind of the social hub of the uh, of the organization, and plays canasta regularly and, and uh, <laughs> cooks meals. So, so pe- people are doing a lot of different things. Um, I would say that one of the things that has been more important than I thought it would be is volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and some of that's around a sense of purpose. I want to, you know, one guy put it, he says, I've been, I've been taking all my life. It's time for me to start giving. Ah. And I don't mean writing a check. I mean, giving my time and my expertise and my wisdom. Um, and uh, some amazing stories along those lines. Um, it's funny how we go from being very selfish, isn't it, to a point in time we go, you know what, I've got this all wrong. Are you hearing that? I wouldn't say all wrong mm. as much as I've got a chance to do something different. Different. Life's been good to me. Yep. Um, now I, I need to do something back. I think that that's been part of it. Um, one one of the stories is a guy um, who, at about the same time he was retired retiring, was diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. um, and he um, obviously was devastated by that. He had all these plans for for his retirement, but he was in being treated one day, and he turned to the doctor and he said, "You guys are really being good to me. Is there something I can do to help?" And they said, "We need a cancer house here where people can stay while they're being treated, or where their families can stay." And that would be a community effort. And this guy put five years of his life into doing that. Wow. Um, and led a whole army of people, both in terms of getting getting it organized, getting it fundraised, getting it you know, um, up and off the ground. And he said, at the end of it, he said, I was more proud of that than anything I did in my 40 years of working. Yeah, that's incredibly inspiring. I, um, you talked about volunteering and starting to give back and pay back a little bit in, in society. Um, how does this apply to wanting to, to go back to work? Maybe people, as part of their retirement plan, want to start a new career. What, what's happening in that space? There's, there's several different things, and several <laughs> different stories I've got there. I'll tell you one that I, I, really, I really enjoy. This guy's um, decided he was going to be an Uber driver. <laughs> and I thought, well, that sounds kind of that sounds kind of boring. Um, and I said, why are you doing that? And he says, well, you know, it kind of tops up the income for me. We can afford a better vacation now and all that kind of stuff. But he said, there's two things 
about it. He says, I get to tell the same jokes all day. (laughs) (laughs) And he he said, and and nobody complains about it. If they do, you know, their fare is over and they get out. But then he says, the next guy comes in, I tell him the same joke. (laughs) I get get pretty good at telling it. (laughs) And then his second thing, he said, and you know what? I get pretty girls coming into my my car. Of course. And he said, I don't have much interaction with pretty girls, but these pretty girls get in the car and I, you know, tell them the jokes and we have a, have a, have a laugh and a giggle. And he said, but the only problem with that is when I tell my wife about it, Uh, any pretty, any fair that I have with a pretty girl, I have to give her the fair. uh, (laughs) And that fair enough too. (laughs) You you talk about, um, I guess, uh, inward experiences and you have, I I suspect is an acronym, OWLS. What can you tell us about that? What does that mean? So OWLS is old, wise, learning still. And it's five girlfriends who have known each other all their lives. And uh, they're in their 70s. And they said, you know, we got some stuff to talk about. We're, we're entering a new time. We've got to talk about end of life together. Mm. Um, and they meet once a month. And each of them hosts. They take turns hosting it with a topic. Um, but it's all around end of life, not just dying, but also, you know, different things about planning your estate or different things about dealing differently with your spouse, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And um, they have become so um, at peace was the word you used. And I would say that describes it very well. They've become so at peace with this stage of their life. Yeah. And the idea that they're going to die is different than I would have imagined they could have gotten to. Um, different, I, I, I kind of sat and I looked at it and I said, wow, I wish I had the mindset that they've been able to develop. Um, and, and they really feel good about it. They really feel like together they laugh, they cry, they, they talk things through. They're great friends, so there's nothing out of bounds in the discussion. Yes. And, uh, and they, just, they just get a lot from it. Can I ask you, Richard, how long did it... Um take to from the moment that you decided to put this wonderful work together to the time that it's now available for sale how long has it taken you to do it and what was the process like so i started in in june of last year um interviewing Mm -hmm. um and um that went um very quickly and very well and, and very gratifying i was talking to just some amazing people that part was great fun. I think um, the things that come after that are not as much fun. <laughs> so I had I had eight hundred pages oh. of, of of content. <laughs> I, a good said, problem, but a problem nevertheless. Yeah, I said I'm, I'm a first time author. I don't think an eight hundred page book is going to work too well. <laughs> so uh, getting from eight hundred pages down to you know kind of an acceptable length of two fifty or three hundred is a giant and painful task because I had sat face to face with these people or over the phone with these people and they had told me a story that I just thought, wow, that's so, that's such a good story. I, I, I want to share that. And then I look at the edit part of this and I'd say, some of this has got to go. So I had some professional help with that. I had a professional editor who yep. I could turn to and who would give me kind of an arm's length view. Yeah. Um, I needed that. I, I, I could not have done it without her. Absolutely. Um, 
then the once the book is in an edited form the idea of getting published um uh has a set of challenges um and um i'm doing kind of a version of self-published but with with an organization who's kind of on my team to do that with me um the the especially in the u.s there's a whole bunch of people writing now and the publishers just are overwhelmed by it um the agents that are involved are overwhelmed by it and it's very hard to kind of rise out of the um out, out of that noise of all of these books and, and a lot of them great books yeah um, so i found that process to be painfully slow mm -hmm. um and and uh, <laughs> painfully unsuccessful <laughs> uh, um, and about the time this was starting um i i went to one writers conference and i met some people and i thought oh this would be great i'm going to network my way i'm going to meet all these people and we'll become friends and they'll give me a shot um well then along came covid um, yep i might not have been able to do what i planned to do that networking my way to success might not have worked but i never got a chance to try so now i'm calling strangers on the phone or sending an email to a stranger saying, have I got a great book for you? Yep. Um, and Rick, it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, now, that may be that the book is no good. Um, I haven't ruled that out. <laughs> I think it's a great book. And the reviewers who have reviewed it so far have told me it's a great book. The people who have read excerpts from it think it's a great book. But, you know, maybe the people who run big publishing houses or are big agents have a different set of criteria. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But, but whatever it was, I didn't meet their criteria. And I'm just as happy about that. Um, I've been able to move faster. I've been able to do it my way. I didn't have somebody telling me um, what the title needed to be or mm -hmm. what stories to cut. I had people who were, who were doing it at my direction, doing it the way I wanted the book to look. So that part was, that part was great fun. I'm glad the way it's turned out. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I love the the title. To be quite honest, um, in in all of this, Richard, um, you've learnt a lot about being an author and writing and and the editing process and all these things. But from an interviewer's perspective, what are one of the pearls of wisdom? What's the main thing that you've learnt from this whole experience when talking with others? Surprise you, Rick. I think for a first time author having a social media platform before you start pitching the book puts you in a different league. Um, I kind of did that in parallel. So I would meet with an agent or a publisher and I'd say, I'm going to build this great social network and, and I'm going to have all of these blogs I do and all these other things that I do. Um, and, and trust me, it's going to be okay. And they've, they've heard that before. Yeah. Um, I've talked to other authors who have said, I built it first. I built the platform, I became a voice in my category, um, and then I took the book out to get it published. Um, I think that's probably more sensible. It's a little more of a nuisance, though. <laughs> you, you, know, you kind of want to write the book and then get it out there. Yes. Um, and the way I've done it is kind of build the social media platform in parallel with building out the book. Um, and it's matured now, and it's nice. And I got a lot of people following me, and I got a lot of activity. Um, I was interviewed by CNBC the other day. Fantastic. Um, you know, and, and, and that 
that part has matured at about the time that the book has matured. Um, but I think my advice to others is you, you probably are not going to be attracting interest for your book without having that platform in place. Absolutely. And particularly for nonfiction, particularly for nonfiction. Well, I can say now for, for sure and certain that you have the My Future Business audience backing you, wishing you all the very best with the work that's coming up uh, and this wonderful book. I'd love to talk about some of the examples that are inside the book, one being um, about physical challenges. What are some of the things that are associated with that? One of, one of the most uh, uh, physically inspiring uh, stories was this lady in her 70s. She had two hip replacements, two knee replacements. She was on a cane for three years, but she's a tough, gritty lady. She's <laughs> always tried to stay fit, but she went through all these surgeries and, and, and really had a tough time of it. She came through at the end of it. She says, I got all new parts. I want to do something really tough and really challenging. I'm going to go, go try to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, wow. A six-day climb up into the very high altitudes, very tough climb. Um, and I won't, I won't give the ending of the story. But okay. The, um, the grit that she showed and the determination and, the, 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 and saying, you know, I can't wait to do this. I've got to do this now. I got my hips and my knees working. Um, something else is going to fall apart if I don't get on with it and do it now. Um, and, and off she went. Uh, I, I just, I really admire what she did. Um, I think the readers of the book are not going to go climb Kilimanjaro, I'm pretty sure. But I think maybe they'll go out for a bike ride or maybe they'll go out for a walk or maybe they'll just get off the sofa yeah, and go do something. Absolutely. If, if, if Donna can try to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I can at least take a walk around the block. Well, you know, I like to say, Richard, if you've got two feet and a heartbeat, don't waste it. You know, do something useful with your life. Get involved. It's not a dress rehearsal. Hey, um, you, you mentioned uh, that you had um, a lot of involvement as a mentor in your in your. I guess your past career and life experiences. Who who do you look to? Who inspires you? Who 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 do you follow at the moment? Uh, for let me answer that for the book because there are three very big influences on me. There's uh, D David Brooks, who's the New York Times uh, columnist, mm -hmm. wrote a book called The Second Mountain, and he described kind of the moral change of your second career that you can shift to doing things that are good for people and that make you a better person. Um, one of my first interviews was with a guy who said to me, you got to read his book. He says, cause you're interviewing mountaineers on David Brooks, second mountain. Cause he doesn't go into all the stories and all the nitty gritty stuff. Mm -hmm. He talks about the principles and what's important. So David Brooks was a big influence. Um, there's a lady named Terry Gross, who is an interviewer on NPR, who has, unlike most um, uh, public interviewers, uh, she listens. Um, and her best question is, oh, really? Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, why is that? Um, and then she listens to what they say. And I, I thought, that's the kind of interview style I've got to have. I can't dominate this and lead people. I've got to let them go. Yeah. So she was a big influence. And then finally, one that you're probably too young to have heard of, but there was a guy in the 70s named Studs Terkel, and he did essentially a book called Working, 
where he went out and said to people, tell me about your job. And then he shut up and listened. I don't know if he was, I don't know if they had tape recorders back then, but he uh, got people to talk about their work, what it meant to them, what was the emotional component of it, how they got along with their boss. Not, not how did they make widgets, but rather how did they, um, how did they emotionally and intellectually relate to their work? Um, I, when I was writing the book and doing the interviews, I'd do two or three interviews and then I'd go read a, a chapter of Stead Sterkel because um, he was masterful at this. He was just masterful. Um, and, and he got some, some great, great stories about working. And, you know, somebody said to me, what you're trying to do for retirees is what Stead Sterkel did for working people back in the 70s. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You've got two, two ears, one mouth, uh, two opportunities to listen, don't you, really? Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, I wonder, um, coming to this point of the call, what formats is your book in? Is it in um, hardback? Is it audio? Well, it's, um, it's an e-book. Uh, and a hardback uh, will be both will be published November seventeenth. Uh, we'll do a paperback, but not for a few months after that. Fantastic. Um, I've toyed with the idea of an audio book, um, and the the great audio book would be to take the tapes of each of the people I interviewed um, and edit them. But I, I I'm not up to it. I just <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot of I work. Taking 800 pages of written material down to 300 is one thing. Taking however many hours I've got of recordings. But to do it in their voice would have been cool. Um, but in the edit process, you can appreciate this, Rick. In the edit process, people bounce around a lot. And, and they, the edit process allows you to make a continuous story. I think to do that in an audiobook in their voice um, would, would have been almost impossible. Yes. Well, I know that uh, you can obviously pre-order the book right now. Is that correct? Yes. the The ebook is for pre-order. The hardcover will be available for pre-order um, in another about two weeks or so. Fantastic. Now, Richard. More importantly, what are you up to at the moment? What's coming up next for you? Well, the next the next few months, I'm going to be doing things to make make people aware of the book. Yeah. Um, you are my first podcast, by the way. Oh, fantastic. I'm on it. I'm going to do more of those. I'll, I'll do in-person events to the extent possible. I'll do Zoom events uh, 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 probably more frequently. Um, I think um, that's, that's going to take up several months of my time. I think after that, I really enjoy uh, mentoring social entrepreneurs and I spend a fair chunk of time doing that. I, I, I've continued to do that while I'm involved with the book, um, but I'm um, really fascinated by that process. I, I just finished working with an organization that provides innovative shelter to refugees um, and talk about a group of people that are gonna make a difference. I mean, they, yeah. they just have this incredibly hard problem and, and these bright, energetic, creative people who are coming up with all sorts of ways to do that. Yes, fantastic. Now, Richard, I, I wonder, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, there are lots of people on today's call who are interested in getting their hands on this wonderful book. Now, where are they going to get it? So they can go to Amazon now um, and just search for, under the book title name. Um, and if you put in just shifting gears, you'll get all sorts of of gears you, you don't want to put in shifting gears book or, 
or shifting gears and then the subtitle 50 uh, baby boomers um so it, it's there um over the next couple of weeks we're going to have other booksellers um uh, making it available for pre-order so if people go to my website which is uh, richardhayduck.com h-a-i-d-u-c-k.com and that'll that'll have links to all of the sellers who are offering the book fantastic what a wonderful experience um spending today uh on the on the call with you has been richard it's just been amazing now um with everybody who's on the call with us today make sure that you get your hands on this wonderful book and i'll be making the links available back to richard uh, and this book no matter where you find this call there will be a link back to at least the website then in turn back to richard but in saying all of this richard once again thank you so very much for spending some time with me on the my future business show today rick this was fun i appreciated it and enjoyed it thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed the call then make sure to subscribe leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.